0: As we come to worship this morning, I want us to remember where those who knew Jesus found joy on that first Easter morning. Their joy was not in the cross. Their joy was not in the sacrifice, not even in the empty tomb. Joy was found in the newness of life. Joy was found when Mary encountered the living body of Christ. From John chapter 20. Early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciples left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, woman, why are you crying? She replied, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they put him. As soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he said to her. So I want us to try and put ourselves in Mary Magdalene's sandals or shoes today. Over the last few days, your friend and teacher has gone somewhat ballistic in the temple, driving out the money changers with whips, flipping over tables. Then during the Passover meal, he knelt down like a servant, washing everyone's feet before taking the bread and the cup and saying something about his body and his blood. Then Judas, one of the 12 Jesus' closest followers, led an armed mob into the garden as Jesus was praying to take him away. She was there until the end. She saw it all, watched as his body was pierced, watched as the blood poured out watched the life leave his eyes. What can all of that mean for the new life he was teaching about? How can the world change if he is dead? What will we do without our teacher? He was our friend, and we loved him. Mary didn't come to the tomb that morning with joy. She didn't come to the tomb with thanksgiving. She didn't come to for anything other than to say goodbye and to grieve. She came to the tomb in mourning. She was despondent, defeated. She had come to perform the ritual preparation. She had come expecting to find a body. So imagine the confusion she must have felt when she discovered that the body was gone. Who had taken the body? Had other believers come and taken the body away and not told her where they went? Had someone rolled away the stone so that his body could be taken away by wild animals? Had the authorities sought to deny Jesus' followers even this measure of comfort in his death by denying them a place of worship? Perhaps some of you can picture this. Mary she can't think of anything else to do but to go find the other disciples to see if maybe, maybe they know what happened. But Peter and the other disciple that Jesus loved were just as confused as she was. They run back to the tomb to see it for themselves. They, they can't really believe Mary. But then they get there. They're thinking, well, maybe she was just at the wrong tomb. But no. They get there and they find the stone rolled away. They look inside and they find the cloths laying there. But the the cloths, they they don't look like an animal drug Jesus away. And, and, well, that one is rolled up nicely and set to the side over there. That doesn't seem like something that the soldiers would do if they had moved his body. They saw the evidence, and they, they believed Mary's story now, that the tomb is empty. The body's not there, but they, they still don't understand what it means. So they left again to return to their lodgings, still not really sure what to think, and Mary stays behind crying in the garden. And the story tells us that when she looks in the tomb, she sees two angels there, and they ask her why she's crying, but she she doesn't really recognize them as divine messengers. She's just really still concerned that the body is gone. She's too focused on her despair. And then Jesus is standing there in front of her. But again, she she doesn't recognize who is there in front of her. She, She only knows that someone is there. Maybe it's the gardener. Maybe he knows what happened. Maybe he helped move the body. She's still looking for a body to mourn. She has no reason to expect anything else. Now we could go into all sorts of directions about why it is that Mary didn't recognize Jesus when he's standing right there in front of her. Some have suggested that maybe he appears as a as a ghost or a specter and you know she, she can't really see him well to make out who he is. And Others have said well maybe, maybe his physical appearance changed in some way. Maybe he no longer had a beard or maybe he suddenly had blonde hair and blue eyes. Or maybe it was some sort of divine interference Jesus was not ready to be recognized, and so she simply didn't recognize him. Maybe, maybe he had a small cloaking device stuck away in his pocket. Or there could be any number of reasons. But I think, most likely, it was simply her state of mind. Her friend and teacher is dead. She saw him die, she was there. She saw him placed in this tomb, and now he's gone. She wasn't expecting to see him. Add to that the renewed grief of discovering that the the tomb is empty, it's open, his body is missing. She was probably a hot mess at that point. Tears running down her face, hair all hanging down in her eyes. No wonder she didn't recognize him. She didn't even recognize him when he first speaks to her and ask her, why is she crying? What is it that she's looking for? It was a voice she should have known. As I read the story this week, I was reminded of the Princess Bride. Now this next bit contains some spoilers, so I'm sorry if there are those of you here who have not seen it yet. Anyway, the one of the main characters in the story, Buttercup. She, she falls in love with this man, Wesley, and he goes off on a voyage, and she gets word that he was killed while he was away on this voyage. And she's heartbroken. Well, a few years later, she gets selected to marry the prince of their kingdom. And so she's gone to the castle, and she's out riding one day, and she gets kidnapped. And long story short, this man dressed in black and wearing a mask takes her away from the kidnappers and leads her away himself. And in her state, she is convinced that this is the man who had killed the man that she had loved, Wesley. And so it comes as a complete shock to her when she learns that this man is, in fact, Wesley, the man she thought was dead. She had seen him as he approached the kidnappers, she had heard him speak, but she still did not recognize him. It is only when he says to her, as you wish, as he's tumbling down a hill, a phrase he had spoken often to her before, that she finally recognized him for who he was. In the same way, it is only when Jesus says her name that Mary finally recognizes who this is that is standing in front of her. She is overjoyed and I imagine a bit overwhelmed when she realizes that the one she saw die is in fact now standing in front of her very much alive. In that moment, there is no longer any doubt. We can imagine she went to him to embrace him. This was common with him and his disciples. They were often embracing each other as family And his next words show that this was not merely some sort of ghostly appearance. For he tells Mary, don't hold on to me. If he has no body, what could she be holding on to? Instead, we get the sense that this is a very real, very physical appearance of Jesus there in front of her. Jesus is there in the flesh talking to her. As long as his body was just missing people could say whatever they like. The Romans stole his body so the disciples couldn't have it. Uh, The disciples moved his body so that they could, uh, because of those teachings that Jesus had about being resurrected that they really didn't understand. The religious leaders desecrated the grave to deny his followers a place of devotion. Take your pick. As long as the body is missing, any of those could be true. But instead, Jesus makes himself known. In doing so, he removes any excuse to misunderstand who he is. Without that encounter with the physical body of Jesus, Mary would have continued to sit in her grief. She would have continued to mourn without understanding. Instead, she finds joy in the risen Christ, joy in her encounter with Jesus in the garden that day. In appearing to her, Jesus restores that relationship that they have. The relationship that had been broken by his death, showing that in the process that death cannot defeat that bond that they had. But it doesn't end there. Not only does the appearance of Jesus restore his relationship with her, but he gives Mary a new mission, a new vocation. He calls her to spread the good news of his resurrection. She does not go away to contemplate in silence as the other disciples did when they found the empty tomb. Unlike Peter and the other disciples, she doesn't simply go home to ponder these things, to try and figure them out. Jesus sends her to tell the apostles that she has seen Jesus, that he is risen, and that he is coming to them. And I imagine that would not have been an easy task Even as we know from the biblical text that Mary Magdalene is a woman of means who helped support the ministry of Jesus and the apostles as they were traveling around the countryside, there's still the reality of the place of women in much of the world at that time, and for some still today. While women might be able to own their own property or business, they still were always considered second class to men. Even though Mary Magdalene is prominent in all four Gospels, even though she is mentioned more times than many of the male disciples, she is still relegated to something of a second-class status as if her own experiences of Jesus have no meaning and no relevance for anyone else. Just consider the disbelief when she came to tell them about the empty tomb. They had to run out and see it for themselves. They couldn't believe what this woman was telling them. And yet here is Jesus telling Mary to go and share the good news of his resurrection with the twelve and with the others. Jesus' first act after the resurrection is to send a woman out to spread the good news to the men who had been following him and who were now in hiding. Mary is the first to witness the resurrection and the first one tasked with sharing that with others. Part of this is a continuation of Jesus' teachings where he continues to push against the norms and the boundaries set by the authorities of his day, where he continues to include those who are commonly excluded and pushed to the margins. He taught a different way to think about your neighbors. He included those on the margins. He sat and ate with outsiders and with servants of the empire. He broke the rules when they got in the way of love and so it is, should be no surprise to us that he would send a woman out with the good news of the resurrection. But an equally important part of this is that healing of relationships. The story of Jesus raised for the dead is not for Mary alone. It is not just the relationship with her that needs to be restored. Jesus needs to reinstitute that relationship with others as well. And so he doesn't tell Mary to keep this to herself. He tells her to go and spread the word. Go tell the rest of the followers that I am coming to them. And in her joy at seeing Jesus again face to face, she goes forth and does exactly what she was asked. She encountered the risen Jesus, and and after expressing her joy, she went out to share that news with others. It says she announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord before telling them, what Jesus had asked her to say. Death has lost its sting and relationship is restored. Jesus may have told them over and over again what was coming. He alluded to it. He talked in metaphor. He came right out and said it more than once. But still, the disciples had failed to understand what was coming. But then again, do we? With our hindsight and our years of tradition, do we really understand any better than they did? It took Mary's encounter with the body of the risen Christ for it to make any sort of sense. She went to the tomb still in mourning, still in grief, there to perform the rites that would help her to say goodbye and perhaps begin to have some closure. The open tomb and the missing body simply had no meaning for her by themselves, just as the cross a few days before had no meaning by itself other than death. None of it had any meaning until she encountered Christ in the garden. And I think it remains the same for us today. We can hear about the pain of the cross, the grief of the sealed tomb, and even the amazing story of the empty tomb over and over without being affected. But when we encounter the body of the risen Christ, when we experience that body of Christ, we are transformed like Mary was. When we encounter the body of Christ, we are empowered to do things we never thought were possible. When we encounter the body of Christ, our relationships are restored. Like Mary, we want to have that encounter with the living Christ that calls us by name. We want to have that encounter with the body of Christ that changes our life, that turns our grief into hope, our pain into joy. Like Buttercup, when she learns Wesley is alive, we want to answer, you're alive. If you you want, I can fly. It is that assurance of new life that continuing relationship that the resurrection allows that is our joy in this season it is our encounter with the body of Christ that gives us the strength to get through the day-to-day world in which we live when are you aware of the living body of Christ in your life where are those places where you encounter the body is it in the church Is it in the garden of God's creation? Is it at the table? Where have you met Jesus? And perhaps just as important a question, who is it that is the body of Christ? And what do others see when they encounter that body? I want to close the message today with some words from a a new commentary I've been using. I wanted to say something like this myself, but I realized I, I really couldn't say it any better. Like Mary returning to the tomb when others went back home, many people come to church not sure what they are looking for. They come weighed down with grief and disappointment, hungry for hope. Even those who come to church confident and joyful are still learning what it means to believe in Jesus' name and claim their identity as children of God. We are all like Mary, somewhere between grief and joy, somewhere between despair and faith. John's gospel is a story (coughs) of encounters, from Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman to Mary and Thomas. The good news of Easter is that these encounters continue. Because of the resurrection, Christ's presence now knows no geographic or temporal boundaries. Christ is risen indeed, and so we come to church hoping to say with Mary, I have seen the Lord. Mary went to the tomb that morning expecting to find a body. And what she found instead was the body of the risen and living Christ. Death is not the final answer. God's love is available to us and still reaching out for us. Christ is risen. And for that, thanks be to God.